Welcome to the New Mind Creator Podcast, episode number 60, interview with Jenny Edwards. I'm your host, Maurice, the New Mind Creator. Remember to subscribe to my podcast so that you can receive alerts when new episodes are available each week on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. I ask that you support my podcast with your monetary donations and also by sharing your favorite episodes. Arvere author and adventurer Jenny Edwards was a huge success in sales in corporate America. She founded a respected government contracts and staffing consulting company and has reached millions of people along her tiny living journey. With all her achievements, she discovered something was missing in her life. Trading her Pradas for flip-flops, Jenny bought an RV and made the daring decision to hit the road alone. In search of adventure of a lifetime, and boy, did she find it. After traveling the country as a solo woman through 45 states, Jenny is now living the life that many only dream of. Though many people said she couldn't or shouldn't do it, Jenny's can-do attitude proved once again that no matter how crazy it may seem, you can do anything. Jenny is a motivational speaker who shares her captivating and unforgettable stories, energizing and motivating every group who hears her speak, from corporate engagements to association conventions and charity events. She offers a diverse range of speaking experiences and talents. Funny, professional, and inspirational, Jenny shares from her personal experiences, allowing her to relate directly to every audience. Jenny's book, Bumping Down Highways, will be available summer of 2019 and also available at all bookstores on Amazon. Hi there. Hello, Jenny. I would like to welcome you to the New Mind Creative Podcast. And Thank you. You're welcome. And there's a quote by Ibn Battuta, and he said, traveling, it leaves you speechless, then turns you into a storyteller. I would like to jump into the interview in order to expedite our time. And could you start off by telling our listeners a little about your earlier years as a child? Sure. Hi, it wasn't super exciting. I grew up without a lot of things. I lived in East Texas until I was 11. And we lived, um, we lived in a single wide mobile home with no heat and air. So I uh, left there when I was 11, when my parents got divorced and moved with my mother to Jacksonville, Florida, moved to the city. And wow, what a life changing experience that was. Uh, grew up, went to school and went to high school here in Jacksonville. And when I got out of high school, I decided to do what people like me did. People that came from the environment of not having a lot 
I decided not to go to college and instead, I'll never forget telling my high school English teacher, would it just be crazy if I decided I wanted to get married and have kids instead of going to college? He told me it was crazy. I did it anyway. Um, got married, had kids, got divorced when they were one and three. And it was because of other people that I then went on to be successful. People helped me through school. People helped me um, get jobs. People believed in me and they mentored me. Wow. How would you describe your temperament as a child? Uh, probably happy-go-lucky, just because I didn't know any better. Um, I spent a lot of time outside. Okay. And did you always know what you wanted to do for a profession? I had no idea, none at all. Um, I think I started out in fast food when I was 16. I went into restaurants and working in restaurants. I always loved being around people, uh, worked my way through that, and then went into practice management for, in, um, went into practice management in healthcare from there. Okay. And you uh, mentioned uh, the way you was you were raised earlier, and there had to be a mindset uh, coming up in that atmosphere. How when did your mindset change? You believe when did that happen? Probably when I moved to Florida and lived in the city, I had the opportunity to go to a private school. Um, we couldn't afford it. But I got a, uh, a National Merit Scholarship to attend that private school. And I think it was there that changed my mindset. It was seeing the lives that other people had and me wanting something different for myself. And did you always excel in school academically? Always from the time I was a little girl. I remember being in elementary school and I read through every book in the library for the elementary side and they allowed me to get books from the high school library. I've always loved to read. It takes you somewhere else. Right. So uh, was there anyone that you saw that was a reader or it was just something naturally within you? I don't think that I... I don't think that there was anyone. I think I just read it. I just, by reading, I could learn. I could experience different things. And still today, I love books that you can hold in your hand. You can curl up on the couch and you can get away from everything. You could go on an adventure. You can be in a different place, be in a different time. I, I've just always loved books. Great. Who were your mentors and how did they influence your life? Um, so some might not have been mentors. My grandfather, um, one of my grandfathers, sent me a letter years ago. And he told me that by getting married and having children and not going to college, I would never amount to anything. And though he's gone today, I still find myself constantly working to prove him wrong, to prove to him that I was going to be someone. And what made you not accept that 
what he said. What was it in you that knew that there was something greater within you? I don't know what made me know that. I, I don't know if, if I was born with it. You know, I've, I've asked myself that question many times because from then on, when people said I couldn't do something, I worked twice as hard to prove to them that I could. What led you into the corporate world? Um, so when I left fast food, I knew that I needed to do more. I had children that were one and three. Uh, maybe by then they were three and five. But I wanted more for them. I wanted to be able to spend more time with them. I wanted a career. And so I started out, like I said, in practice management. But then I moved uh, moved up the ladder. I went to work for a company managing the healthcare for federal prisons. That gave me government contract experience. And from there, I was hired by a company in corporate America to oversee their government contracts. And I, I think, again, it was someone said I couldn't and I was going to prove that I that I did. And what was what do you think was your dominant gift that allowed you to continue to excel even in that environment? Probably the dominant gift was the one to never give up, no matter what. I've always believed that I can do anything and to never give up, just to prove everyone that I could do it better than someone else or that I could even do it at all. Great. So what was it uh, that made you believe that you can start your own consulting company? Um, the company that I worked for, I had a meeting with them one day and they were eliminating my position. I found out later it was because they were for sale, I believe, uh, but they were eliminating my position and it's always been my, I'm going to be successful no matter what I, I'm going to get there. I won't fail. I can do anything. And they didn't let me go from that company. They just eliminated my role. And they, um, they paid me to sit home for months and months and months. And that wasn't me. I couldn't sit still. I couldn't not do anything. And I had enough connections. There were only a few people that did what I did in government contracts around the country. And I, I don't even think that I gave it a second thought. I just decided uh, I can do this. I'm going to create a company. I will always have an income. And I started my little firm by reaching out to a couple of people that were happy to contract with me and then started bidding on government contracts. And now our revenues are over a million dollars a year. Wow. So uh, do you, uh, being in that world, you were successful, obviously, and when, what happened? Do you remember the day or series of events that made you feel that the life you were living was no longer fulfilling to you? I know that um, a lot of days it was a struggle. Being in corporate America, climbing the ladder as a female in the South, uh, when, when the majority of leadership were men in, in their 40s, and, and that was a struggle. 
when the company told me that they were eliminating my position, that was a big uh, factor that said, you've got to do something else because at any day, something that you're succeeding at, you're growing sales, you're growing revenues, you're making them more money and your job can just go away just like that. And I wanted to have more control. Um, I think that was probably the biggest thing. Other events that happened were I had no time for my children, for my family. I worked 70, 80 hours a week and I would uh, rent a house at the beach for a vacation that my kids and I could go on, but I'd be on the phone the whole time. The, the every year was a beautiful house right on the ocean. And I picked it because it was close enough for me to go into the office if I needed to. It had internet, it had a fax machine, it had a printer, it had all the things that I needed. And I remember my son posting a picture of me on Facebook where I actually was sitting still on the beach. And he said, mom is finally not working. Um, I remember a time going to lunch with my daughter when she was in college and I was constantly texting, emailing, talking on the phone while we were at lunch. And I realized she was just sitting there looking at me and she said, I got to try to, this still gets me. She said, mom, what about me? You invited me to lunch. Mm -hmm. And I think that was, um, that was, that was one of the biggest things that made me think I can't do this. It's not worth it. The stuff's not worth it. So it sounds like you chose your family over things. Absolutely. Life over stuff, as I call it. Life over stuff. That's a good way to put it. Wow. So I know you took your first cross-country trip from Florida to Oregon. So what seemingly natural event happened that caused you to take that trip? So for me, as I had moved up in the corporate world, I loved to travel, but my idea of travel was um, flying on an airplane, upgrading to first class with my points, staying in five-star uh, hotels and eating at five-star restaurants with the white tablecloths and being dressed up. I came home from a trip. I had just bought a pretty little condo close to the beach. And I came home from a trip. It was new. The condo wasn't old. It was new. And I came home from a trip and it felt funny. It smelled funny. Um, the new building was leaking like a sieve. And I had called the developer. They promised they would fix it, but I couldn't live in it right then. I had a big dog and a small dog and uh, insurance said they would pay for a hotel or short, short term rental, but no one would take the big dog. So my son offered his home out in Oregon. He said, mom, you travel anyway. Why don't you drive out here, bring the dogs and you can work from here and travel from here. Um, so I packed up my SUV. This was totally outside the box for me. I knew still I wouldn't be able to find hotels. So I stayed in little cabins in campgrounds and RV parks. And these little cabins, they, um, they, they were all wood. You had to bring your own bedding, but there was a bed there. They didn't have running water inside. 
you had to use the bathhouse. So I took off across the country with just the minimum of stuff and my dogs in my SUV. And I thought I can probably get across in three or four days and it won't be so bad. I fell in love with it. Oh my gosh. I started taking detours. I would get off the interstate and get gas and get back on the interstate and just miles up the road, see scenic overlook and off I would go again. And I ended up taking well over a week to get there. I saw amazing sights and I learned that all that stuff I thought I needed, I didn't really need. And it was, um, it was pretty amazing. And so when I came back, I decided I should buy a little camper and take more trips. Now, did you always enjoy scenic routes or you just discovered that through your traveling? So when I look back, when I was a child and we would go to see grandparents or, or go see someone or daddy had to go somewhere for work, we, we went down back roads and we stopped at rest areas and we slept in the truck. And, you know, over the years, I'd completely forgotten about that. I worked hard to get away from that, to think that I needed more, that success was having money, having stuff. And and I totally forgot about all that as I climbed the corporate ladder. Um, I didn't enjoy scenic routes after I was climbing the ladder and I was in corporate America. I would leave late at night to fly to the next city and then get up, go to meetings, and jump on a plane and come back. There, there wasn't any scenic life. There, was, there were no scenic routes. There, there was nothing. It was an airplane, and I would take a cab and work all the way to the hotel, and it, I didn't do that. And so I think, um, I, think I, I missed all of that. Wow. It sounds like you were uh, not tasting the grapes, so to speak, through your uh, success. You... Um, you didn't enjoy some, well, take time to enjoy some of the things that you could have. Absolutely. And I remember right after I left corporate America and started my own business and, and pretty quickly made it successful, I knew that I wanted to give back to the community. And I started a small women's group and I reached out to everybody I knew, all the women I knew. Um, there was a, 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 uh, a clothing store that was a small store. It's a national chain, but it's a place that I went to shop for clothes because I was so busy. If I didn't have anything clean, I would call them and say, Hey, can you pull out some things? I've got to fly out in a few hours. And I would rush in there and they would have things waiting for me to try on. So I invited those ladies. I invited people and asked other executives to share with other people. And then I was trying to figure out on that launch day, what would I say to people? And I had all my little cards prepped and planned to talk about here. I came from this. I didn't have a college degree and I made it. I climbed the ladder. I've got the Lexus. I've got the big house in town. I've got the beach condo. I've got all these things. I made it. And when I walked into that room, I would have been happy if there were 15 women there. The room was packed. There wasn't enough room for everybody to sit down. Uh, there, were, there were over 200 people there. And when I first started talking to tell them how amazing Jenny Edward was and how she climbed the ladder and she was so successful, I put the cards down 
And I remember thinking in that moment, you are such a fraud. That is not who you are. And I started talking and I told the real story. I told the story of growing up with nothing, of the people that helped me when I was poor and didn't have anything and couldn't afford school, the people that helped me get a job. And that all of a sudden, at that moment, I felt like I was a fraud. That person was not Jenny. Sure, I had stuff, but that each person needed to define their definition of success. They had to figure out what that was and that I was there to help them make whatever that was happen. And I looked around the room and there were women crying. There were women nodding their heads. These were executives. These were people that people didn't see that from them. And, and I think I knew then that I, I absolutely, my family had been saying it. I just didn't listen. My friends had been saying it. I just didn't listen. And I, I knew then that I really had to make a change. I needed to be able to find a way to help more people. Wow. That's a powerful story. Um, so what made you, uh, it didn't seem that you even thought about being, uh, the trip being fearful going from Florida to Oregon, what made you uh, do it alone? Well, probably because I didn't have any options. And, and I, people ask me all the time, aren't you afraid? And I think the answer is that I'm often afraid. I'm just not afraid to try. If there's something I've got to do, I, I just go do it. I, you know, I figure it out on the way. I talked to a lot of people before I left. What do I need? What do I need to take with me? Um, what do I, what do I, what do I need to do? Um, what should I know? I learned how to shoot a gun and it wasn't about a person. For me, the gun thing was, okay, I'm going to be in the desert. And, and what if I have to eat, which is totally crazy. I should have been afraid of other things. Um, but I was afraid of what if I have to start a fire and I don't have any firewood? All of those things. Um, every day, I'm afraid. But I have a lot of faith. Uh, it's, it's my faith. I, have a faith. I have faith in God. I talk to God every day. Um, and when I'm in trouble, I ask him for help. When I am going into something new, I ask him to be there and to protect me and take care of me. And so I think there's a difference between fear or being unafraid and courage. And I tell people that I do it through faith and courage. Great. Now, how would you describe that first trip uh, as far as how did you feel was, uh, and you didn't, I guess you did not fear the unknown. No, I didn't even think about the unknown. I live in today as much as I can. Um, I live in right now as much as I can. Uh, the fear that I had, the only fear that I had was I had to spend, I believe it was about eight hours crossing a desert where there were very few people, uh, places to stop. And, and so I planned ahead of time that I would stop just on the east side of the desert no matter what time it was in the day, even if I'd only driven a few hours and that I would spend the night there. So I made sure I had a full tank of gas. I had food with me. I had the things that I needed to cross the desert and because I knew I wouldn't have self-service. I wouldn't have cell service. I wouldn't have 
um, the ability to look at GPS. And so I think that was my only partial fear or concern when I took off across. Okay. And how uh, has your traveling uh, affected your family, the ones who care about you that may not have the strong faith that you have? Uh, My children were probably the biggest ones. My son said, go mom. And my daughter said, you're crazy. You can't do this. Living in an RV um, <laughs> you, 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 and by yourself, you're going to get in trouble. And then my friends, um, I had a lot of friends that supported me, that said, we believe in you. You can do this. Family have supported me. When I first took off, people said I was crazy. The, there were people that said I shouldn't or couldn't do it. And too many people said, okay, if you're going to do this, you need to call me every night and let me know that you're okay. And I thought, if I do that every night, I'll never see anything. So I agreed to post on my personal Facebook page a picture and something about my trip. And it was pretty amazing watching people respond with words of encouragement, um, telling me to keep going and that they were proud of me. And, and that, I think, is the inspiration for continuing to keep going, knowing that people are there to listen. So it sounds like you had some uh, really good feedback uh, through social media when you posted uh, things about your travel. Absolutely. The other thing that social media did is when I, when I was traveling, if I ran into a problem, and still, when I run into a problem... Um, When you're on the road somewhere and you don't know anyone and who do you call to fix something when you're on the side of the road, I would post on social media, here's my problem. Um, My slides won't come out or my batteries are dead or I disconnected my batteries and dummy me, I didn't take a picture of what it looked like when I disconnected it. And now I don't know where all these darn wires go. And people respond. People respond pretty quickly. People have told me how to do things, how to fix things. Or found help for me through social media. Wow. I did not even think about uh, you having to do probably make certain repairs while you were on the road. Yeah. And I didn't know how to do any of that. But I carried pink duct tape with me. (laughs) And pink duct tape can fix anything. (laughs) Wow. That is amazing. (laughs) So you've traveled over 567,000 miles so far. So I don't think it's not that far. I think you got that probably from my website. We just put a counter on the website and literally that just went up and went live a couple of days ago. And as they are testing things out, I have to change that. It was just, that was just a setting. So actually I think it's um, over 50,000 miles that I've traveled. I've made five cross country trips from Florida to Oregon and Washington I've done the entire West Coast from north to south. This last summer, I left and went from Florida all the way up to Maine, cut across through New York and back down the Blue Ridge Mountains. And then I do a lot of little trips, um, things that are a couple of hours away or just maybe three or four hours away. Okay, good. So over 50,000 miles. So most people will not drive that many miles in a lifetime. So how would you rate your driving skills before you began and after? 
Well, from my, I bought that first little camper. It was 19 feet long and it was, um, I thought, oh, I can do this. And I fell in love with the community doing it. Did not love the size of the camper. Oh my gosh, the bed, you had to pull it out every night and put it away. When it was out, I couldn't get in the bathroom unless I turned sideways. The bathroom was nothing but a toilet with a shower head over it. Um, and I was so cramped and uncomfortable that I decided I loved the lifestyle, but I needed something bigger. So I got rid of the SUV. I got rid of the Lexus. I bought a big truck. You know, here was Jenny that drove the Lexus convertible. Now she's driving a big F-250. And I bought a 38, a little over 38 foot fifth wheel motorhome. And I took off across the country with that. I, yeah, I was nervous. That's where people really started saying, are you sure you want to do this by yourself? Uh, and I got better. It was practice every day. But I will never forget Irma uh, caused some issues, wind blowing, cracked my fifth wheel, cracked the frame. And I had to do something different. And so I bought what I drive now, which is an almost 40 foot class A motorhome. And I tow a car behind me. But when I went to pick up this motorhome, I never, I, um, when I went to pick up this motorhome, I didn't test drive it because I thought I've gone back and forth across the country in a fifth wheel. I can do this. This is easy. When I got in it and drove away from the dealership, I could not keep it on the road. My first reaction was, Oh my God, I can't, I can't do this. What am I going to do? God, what did I do? What did I get myself into? Um, I'm not going to be able to travel. They're not going to take it back. So I made it the four and a half miles, um, bumping off the side of the road all the way, going slowly. And someone told me about a guy that did private lessons, Chuck, Chuck Erweller. Oh my gosh, he rocked. I told him, I need help. You got to help me. And after two days of private lessons with him, he made me drive through movie theater parking lots, mall parking lots, on interstate. He taught, he taught me how to parallel park. And when I finished the class on the second day, I asked him, would it be crazy if next week I wanted to take off and go to Oregon by myself? And he told me, he laughed first. And then he said, well, I told you, you needed to practice. So don't look at it as a trip from Florida to Oregon. Look at it as practice every day. Just drive as far as you can and, and see how it goes. So, so it took, um, took a bit for me to get there. I was not very good at driving long days. And still, I don't, I'm not out on the road more than five hours a day. Um, I stop. I stop before it gets dark, get set up and relax. But my experience all comes from practice, from getting out there and just doing it. This summer, if I had not have had the practice that I had had through all those big trips, I'd have been off the side of a mountain. Um, I was winding up a road, a mountain road, two lane road. It was in Pennsylvania. And as I came around a corner, the mountain was on my left. The guardrail down the side of the mountain was on my right. 
And as I was coming around the corner, an 18 wheeler was coming right at me in my lane. It seemed like it took forever, but I knew I had to get out of the way. If you're driving a motorhome, you're at the very front of it and you're sitting eight foot six, you're sitting on the center, center line almost. And I knew I had to scoot over. And so uh, my brain said, you got to get out of the way. So I started scooting a little bit, a little bit, a little bit to the right. And I knew I was going to hit the guardrail, but it was the only way he wasn't going to hit me. So when you start hearing metal scrape a bit against metal, I just had to take a deep breath and tell myself, ignore the noise, ignore the noise, just drive through it, just keep going. And I made it around that corner and there's no place for me to stop. I'm on a mountain, no place for the other guy to stop. I have no idea who it was, but I couldn't have done that if I hadn't spent so many hours and so many miles on the road. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. Wow. That sounds scary. Um, So what on earth is a fifth wheel mobile home? What is that? It's a, uh, it's not a mobile home. It's a fifth wheel RV. RV. my, My fifth wheel RV. It's a camper that you have seen, I'm sure, um, you'll see campers going down the road and instead of it attaching to the bumper, it actually comes up over into the bed of the truck and attaches in the center of the bed of the truck. Okay. Okay. Good. Good description. So, and, and now for a brief message from our sponsor, uh, we're back again with Jenny Edwards. And how many states, Jenny, have you traveled to so far? I have bumped down highways through 45 of our 50 states. I've only got five left this summer. I hope to hit some of those. Those are Michigan, Wisconsin, and North Dakota. Then all I will have left is Alaska and Hawaii. And I I, uh, am working on a plan to go to Alaska in 2020. Hawaii, this was interesting. I was trying to figure out how could I get to Hawaii and do that in an RV. I checked on shipping it across, but the amount of money was astronomical, astronomical. So with that not going to work, I started doing some more research and decided, okay, I'll drive my motorhome to the West Coast, leave it there, fly across, and rent an RV on the other side. So I hope by 2021, I have hit all 50 states in an RV. Wow. And how many years did it take you, would have taken you to uh, cover all 50 states? So I've been doing this for four years now, almost. It'll be four years in April. So four years now, I've got 19, 20, 21. So seven years to do all 50 states. Great. So what's the name of your favorite state or city you've traveled through so far? Hmm. One of my favorite places was Shoshone Falls, and it may be pronounced Shoshone Falls. Um, it, it was a place I found by accident. I had no idea how much there was to see in Idaho. And so on one of my trips, I didn't plan a long stay there. Um, it, that was pro- that's probably one of the most beautiful states in the country so far. Every, every state I've been in has had something incredible, 
But as far as scenery and so much to see and do, it would be Idaho. The the waterfall there in Shoshone, um, I was I stopped on my way west at a gas station to get fuel. The cashier asked me if I had seen Shoshone Falls. And I told him, no, but uh, maybe next time. I'll check it out on my way back. When I was coming back, I didn't even think about the fact that I was in the same town until I started off on the exit to get gas and then noticed I was at the same station. Um, When I went in to pay, the same cashier asked me the same question. Have you seen Shoshone Falls? And I thought, you know, why am I in a hurry? I could do this. And I, I, I asked him, could I get there in the beast that's parked out there by the pump? He looked out, he kind of shrugged his shoulders and he said, well, I'm not sure, but maybe. And that's all it took for me. If you tell me maybe, I'm going to try. That was a... That was a challenge, really getting in there. I was probably too big, but I made the windy, curvy, one-and-a-half-lane drive into there. And I, if you look on my website, there's a picture of myself and my little dog in front of these massive waterfalls with a rainbow behind it. I, I think it, it, it took my breath away. For me, that was a bigger experience than when I went to Niagara Falls. It was absolutely beautiful. So I know you spoke earlier about the situation when you were coming down the mountain and almost losing control of your uh, vehicle, but can you describe one of the most dangerous situations that you found yourself in during your travels? So I think that was one of them. One of the others was the day in the beginning that I really thought I was going to die. I tried to learn as much as I could about mountain driving. I had the fifth wheel RV then. Uh, I asked everybody I came across about mountain driving and coming down mountains. Uh, and my, my brother said, you just need to be careful in the mountains. And I remember responding to him, well, I've got brakes. I've got brakes on my truck. I have trailer brakes that I can control from inside for the for the RV behind me. And he said, Oh, you don't want to ride with your foot on the brake. If you burn up your brakes, then you have no brakes. And it was between um, Cheyenne and I was right around the Cheyenne, Wyoming, Cheyenne and Laramie, Wyoming. Um, I, I misjudged. And I thought that the mountain began in one city and ended in another but I was wrong. It actually began in the city uh, that I, I, it began in the city that I thought was the end. So, so the mountain, I was, I was going too fast. Um, quickly after I crossed the top of that mountain, the truck started speeding up, you know, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50. And I kept pressing my brake and I kept pressing my brake and letting off. And I was working the trailer brakes and the trailer brakes were screaming and screeching. And I found myself in a minute thinking, I've got to hit one of those runoffs. It may kill me, but at least I won't kill somebody else. And I, I kept speeding up. I kept working it. 
and I remember, um, I remembered all of a sudden a story from the Bible from when I was a kid and I, I didn't know where it was, but I remembered a story about Jesus in a boat and people panicking. He had gone to sleep and people panicking that he wasn't there to help them. And the storm was getting big. And I, I remember when he woke up, he said, oh, ye of little faith. That story went through my head. And, and though as crazy as it sounds, my brain said, God, you have gone to sleep over there. You were supposed to be helping me and you're sleeping. Wake up. And I yelled, God, my little dog looked up at me like I had lost my mind. And I heard a, a voice in my head, just my head, in my brain. My mind said, put your foot on the brake now. And I pushed as hard as I could on the brake, just as hard as I could. And then I let go. And it was like, seeing a parachute yank something backwards. It pulled me back and it slowed me down enough, not really slow enough, but slowed me down enough that I could get to the bottom of the mountain. And when I got to the bottom of the mountain, let me tell you, that was probably the most exciting moment I have ever had driving was I did it. If I did this, I could do anything. Wow. Wow. I know when you told your your kids and loved ones about that story, they were probably floored by that. Uh, I didn't tell people <laughs> at first. And so some of the stories later, I had put pieces on social media as I started traveling more and more. Um, and that's when I decided to write a book. People would read my little clips and say, oh, my gosh, you should write about this. Here I was sitting here reading your post on Facebook. And I was on the edge of my seat and I had to remind myself that you wrote it. So you must be okay. When my book comes out, um, there are stories that I have told no one. So they're, they're going to see more of some of the dangerous spots I ended up in. <laughs> okay, good. So can you share a really funny moment that happened during your travels? <laughs> so funny is funny for different people. Remember, I was corporate America and I stayed in five star hotels. Um, there's there's a part to RVing that's not always fun. That has to do with connections, water and sewer connections. Um, and and it's a learning experience. You know, I travel with gloves. Uh, and so connecting the sewer I pulled into a park after I'd been in the mountains. And what I didn't know is then that that can cause pressure in your tank and in your lines. So normally you remove the cap, your levers are closed. So nothing could come out of them until you connect the sewer hose. Well, when I removed that cap, there was a loud pop sound and it was blowing my lever open. And immediately there was poop everywhere. Um, and, and all you can do, what do you do? First you panic and then you try to put the lid back on. And then all you can do is laugh at yourself. You know, I've got a water hose. I clean up the mess and, and move on. Wow. That sounds like a really funny after the fact. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you stand there thinking, okay, did anybody see me? Is anybody watching? And uh, you have water close by. You just clean up the mess and move on. <laughs> Good. So um, 
I know you uh, talked about you posting your travels on social media and you decided to uh, write the book from there. Was it because of the feedback you were getting that uh, you made that decision? So at some point, in the beginning, I was posting it on my own personal page. And then as I did more and more travel, I wanted to go back through my page to see, uh, to look for a certain location. Where was this place? I remembered what it looked like, but I wanted to stay in this park. What was it called? And through all of my journeys, I've also journaled. So I would write every day about places and things. And when I would go back through my personal page, I couldn't find that particular place because it was too far back and it was buried in all of the the daily life things that we have on our social media pages. And so I created another page. It was called, or it is called, Climbing Mountains and Bumping Down Highways. And so I was only putting travel posts there on that page. Um, And... And that's where I started writing more stories. And the people that kept saying, you should write more, you should write more, uh, you should write a book, you should do a book. And I never, I never planned to write a book. I, you know, I didn't know how to write a book. And when I decided to write, I, the words just, they, all, they were all there. You know, I had them in journal and I had them on Facebook and I put all those stories together. And I was told you might have to self-publish. If you're a first-time author, uh, traditional publishers don't usually sign with first-time authors. And and if they do, it could take you a couple of years to get a publisher. Just don't give up. And go back to the, I believe I can do anything. I I was determined not to self-publish because I don't have time for that. I don't know how to do that. And for me to, to get around the learning curve, to do it, I wouldn't be able to travel. And so I put it all together. I sent it out to a lot of people to edit, people from different walks of life to read it, give me feedback. Some I knew, some I didn't know. And I got it all together. And the very first publisher I pitched, which was Post Hill Press, uh, they accepted. They agreed, like in just a little bit. So I finished writing mid-October, and by November the 7th, I had a signed contract with a, with a publishing company. Wow, that did happen really quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Great. So what is the name of your book? Originally, I was going to name the book Climbing Mountains and Bumping Down Highways, just like the Facebook page. But my mind on Climbing Mountains and Bumping Down Highways The reason that that name came about was it wasn't that I climbed mountains, physically climbed mountains. It had to do with life. You know, we climb mountains and we make it to the top. And some days we're standing on top of that mountain feeling pretty amazing. And some days we're bumping down highways. It's uncomfortable. We take detours. It was about life. And so when I sent that out for people to give me their feedback, People that didn't know what I had done said when they saw the title, they thought it meant I literally went on a hike and climbed mountains. And so I dropped the climbing mountains and kept the bumping down highways part. Uh, So the book is called Bumping Down Highways. Wow. Interesting title. Yeah, the uh, it actually is called 
bumping down highways from boardrooms to back roads in an RV. Wow. Wow. Sounds very interesting. So what would you say to someone who may be listening right now who could be feeling unfulfilled in their current role in their lives or work life, uh, even though they have achieved some level of success? I would say that RVing is not for everyone. Um, I I changed my life to do this. I had to get rid of the 47 little black dresses and the, I think 200 pairs of shoes and uh, my Pradas are gone. I wear flip flops instead. And so you really have to do some soul searching and decide what, what is success for you? You know, success for me, I was raised to believe that it was money things and power but at the end of the day I watched several people that I worked with in the corporate world die like in they were too young one man left his wife and children and he was in his 40s and had a heart attack and I decided that for myself success had to be different I don't want to live my life and die and people say she worked really hard for us she did a great job for us that wasn't success instead I wanted people to say um, she had so much fun she lived life and she helped so many people find the faith and courage to do something that they only dreamed of great so what would you say looking back over your life so far was your biggest um, I want to like failure or something you didn't feel that you did well enough. Being a mother, being a mom was probably the most amazing thing I've ever done in my life. It also would be the one thing that I don't think I did well enough. I wish that I had taken my children on more adventures. I wish that I had shared with them the concept of enough and the concept of balance. So I think that's probably the one thing. Um, Sure, I loved my children. I love them just as much today as I did yesterday. They're amazing adults. They're responsible, they're kind. I'm so proud of them. But I wish that I had spent more time with them, doing with them, not just being in the same space with them. Okay. And what has been your biggest success thus far throughout your life? Once upon a time, I would have told you that it was having all that stuff, being able to have a house big house in town and the condo and the, 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 the Louis Vuitton bags and the Prada heels. I would have told you that was success today. Um, success for me is just spending every day doing the things I love and interacting with people, being able to do that. Okay. And when is, when will your book be released? So I found out today that it will be listed on Amazon sometime in mid-February. 
the original published date on shel- shelves, the original published date on shelves was July 9th but I believe it's going to be sooner than that. We'll see it on Amazon as a um, pre-sale mid-February. So the pre-sale, meaning that anyone who would like the book could um, just, I guess, I guess pay for it then or reserve a copy. How does that work? Right. You go ahead and order it and pay for it to reserve your copy. And on the release date, you'll have it on the release date. Okay. So what is the main theme you would like to leave our listeners with? That no matter how crazy or outside the box it might seem, you have to follow your dreams. You, you have to get out there and, and do the things that you want to do. No matter what it is, you've got to get out there and just do it. You've got to do it today. Instead of saying, someday I'm going to go do X and then someday never come. So no matter how crazy or outside the box it may seem, no matter what people say, you can do anything you believe you can do. Excellent. Now, could you please share your contact information, social media uh, with our listeners? Absolutely. You can find me on Facebook under climbing mountains and bumping down highways. You can find me on Twitter and um, Instagram under bumping down highways. You, I'm also findable on LinkedIn under Jenny Edwards. You can feel free to email me, Jenny, J-E-N-N-I, at bumpingdownhighways.com for questions, for interviews, or for information on my book. Great. I would like to thank you so much for doing this interview and inspiring so many people around the world. And I hope that you have continued success, may it be multiplied continually uh, throughout your journeys. Thank you so much. One One last thing that I think I left out was feel free to visit my website. You can access all of those social media links. That is www.bumpingdownhighways.com. Okay, thank you. This has been awesome. Thank you. All right. You have a wonderful day. It was nice chatting with you. You as well. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, the New Mind Creator. This podcast has been sponsored by Abundant Sports and Truth Serum. Head over to www.maurice.com to receive more motivation and insight to help create your new mind.